How can we, as creative educators and entrepreneurs, find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on me. I'm a fifth grade teacher, toddler mom, and serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and bringing you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We are going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. All right, I'm so excited to be here with Stacy, who is going to talk to us about all the things design. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that that is the area I need the most help in. So I'm really excited, Stacy, to have you here. Can yeah. you start us off by telling us a little bit about you and your business? Yeah, so I am a mom with two littles at home, um, a two and a four-year-old, and I... Let's see. I used to teach in the classroom for five years. I was a graphic design CTE, like all tech teacher, did our yearbook, taught. We had a graphic design program at our school. It was an all-girls public school, um, but we had like an engineering track and a graphic design track, and I was our graphic design teacher. Um, But before teaching, I worked in – well, I kind of bounced around a lot. I worked in advertising. I actually went to graduate school for getting my master's in public administration and nonprofit management. And so I started doing marketing and um, communications for nonprofits and social entrepreneurships. And then that just kind of took me into advertising and then social media communications. And then along the way, as everyone knows, you have to pick up a lot of skills being on social and online and, and stuff like that, especially with nonprofits and those kind of organizations. So I just picked up a lot of design skills along the way. And then eventually went into teaching. And now, so I've been home for two years, but since then have been doing a lot of things. I've been, I have an Etsy, well, I had an Etsy shop that was pretty successful for a while, not really design related. It was more um, sewing and whatnot, but um, that I learned a lot of marketing through that and design um, and then did some freelance work for some local businesses and, and then kind of more recently realized I really just love teaching and I love doing design for other people, but more importantly, I love empowering others to do that. So I like teaching the Adobe programs. I like encouraging people to explore their own brand and their own design skills. And so that's really what I've been focusing on most recently. And I know teachers the best because that's been my world for the past five plus years. And so I really love, I love the entrepreneurship spirit and the kind of go get them spirit of teachers. And so um, I just really love that group of folks. And that's where I'm focusing right now, kind of some brand and design strategy and teaching for teacherpreneurs. Me too. And our journey sounds pretty similar. And I, that's why I named this podcast Teacher Hustle. I was talking about that special drive teachers Mm -hmm. have. It's, it's unlike any other that I've ever seen. We just, we exactly, we get it done. If we get it on our mind, we get it done. And that's what I love about this whole community and why I started this business as well. So I think we're cut from the same cloth and I'm really excited (laughs) to get started except for the design piece, because I struggle with that. But I love the way you said you want to empower business owners to take on the design and the brand piece in their business. It makes me feel like it is possible for me with your help. Um, 
And up until now, it's just been something that I struggle with. So I'm excited to hear. And I want to know a little more about the design programs because um, you mentioned Adobe. So you you use that. What design programs do you recommend if we are more on the beginner side of things? Mm-hmm. So I use Canva a ton. I mean, I use it regularly every day. Um, it's just a really easy platform. Um, and, you know, you, I know people can make really great products on PowerPoint as well in Google Slides. Um, I I like Adobe programs. I like Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. I would say Photoshop's a great place to start. It's a comfortable program for Adobe to start in. And then Illustrator, though, is really where you can create a ton of materials um, for your brand. But honestly, I think Canva, you can do a ton too. For me, I use them interchangeably. I like to sometimes create things in Canva and then download them as PDFs. And then you can pull some of the graphical elements from Canva and utilize them in Illustrator. And there's just some fun tricks you can do. Like one example is for Canva, You, can, if you pay for Pro, you can resize them. But then you have all these different files and you can group them in folders, but it is a little mismanaged. Whereas in Illustrator, if you get a handle on it, you can create multiple canvases on the same project and have that coherent kind of, you can look at everything. You can see your Pinterest pins, your Illustrator, sorry, your Instagram posts, your Instagram story graphics, like everything in one view. And I just think there's some um, systems that are a little bit easier in the Adobe programs. But I do think Canva is a fantastic place to start. You can do a ton there. Um, it's just really, really just a matter of locking in your your colors, your fonts, really, you know, getting a handle on what your brand, what you want it to look like. And then Canva, Canva can get you there. And I just think if you want to kind of own branding a little bit more and feel really comfortable in that role, then eventually I think it's valuable to learn Photoshop and Illustrator. InDesign is probably the one that's the scariest for people, but it's also very, um, very useful for laying out content and, um, you know, creating templates for all your posts and things like that. It can be really useful as well. That's really great to know that we can start in Canva and we'll be okay. But if we really want to take it to the next level, there are options too. And my folders uh, are now organized, but I can see what you're saying with the disorganization in Canva. It is a Mm -hmm. little tricky to find things. Even with the folders, it is difficult. So I like that idea. One thing you can do that I've kind of been starting to do as well is um, you can you know, organize things in Canva. And then if you do have things in your Google Drive or, or um, Dropbox, you can create a spreadsheet and just link yeah. to all those assets. Um, and that kind of helps. That's a great yeah. idea. I might do it in Airtable. That's my new obsession. Yeah, so yeah. that'd be a great idea. I'm just writing that down so I can add it to my to-do list. Um, <laughs> can you talk to us? You mentioned colors and fonts. So a lot of teachers who are listening design products for Teachers Pay Teachers, but even if they don't do that, they are doing some graphics, at least for Pinterest and Instagram. And so there's all sorts of font selection happening. Mm-hmm. And I think for TPT, especially, we have some of the go-to fonts that everybody kind of uses. But do you have any general rules around how to choose a good font? What are some like big font mistakes or uh, font pairing ideas? Any tips for us around that? Yeah. So when it comes to picking fonts specifically, there are a few things that you can kind of keep in mind. Um, Obviously, you want the font to kind of embody the spirit of your brand. So if you are targeting a younger audience, like you want a playful font, obviously. Um, but what's really important is you want it to be legible. Um, you want to make sure it's really readable. Um, 
And I wouldn't really recommend doing really fancy fonts in uppercase text that's super hard to read or in large bodies of text. You know, you want it to be super readable. Um, and I like to use, I like when I'm choosing a font, I like to play around with what it looks like in multiple sizes and weights. Um, I really love what's um, what they call super families. These are uh, font families that have lots of different weights and you like, they have like thin, light, medium, bold, super bold, black, like lots of different options there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I like those is because instead of choosing a ton of fonts, you really should stick to two to three fonts. But if you can find a font family that you really like, a super family, you can play around with all those options, all those weights to have consistency. So it's not overwhelming. You can still have things stand out, but it, it you know, has consistency. Um, the big thing too, obviously there's serif or sans serif. Um, I'm sure most people know, but serifs have the little feet on it. So like Times New Roman is a serif font, whereas Helvetica or, um, oh, Helvetica New, things like that. Those are sans serif. They don't have the little feet on it. Mm-hmm. And um, serif are great for large bodies of text because um, I didn't actually know this till recently, but the lines on those letters are supposed to help guide your eye across the page. And so that's why those are better for, you know, super long form text. But um, what's really important about that is you're trying to look for fonts that are similar enough, but have a distinct difference. You don't want them to be too similar um, because then it all just kind of jumbles up. So all that to say, I would say have a little bit of difference, but still have some similarities in your fonts. Try not to go too overboard with the fancy fonts, but use that sparingly for header text and things like that. Um, it would be good if you want to stick with like web safe fonts, fonts that are appropriate on most of all the web browsers so that you don't have any issue if, you know, people use Safari versus Firefox or anything like that. Um, and yeah, two to three. You really don't want to go too far. I like to look also like what does it look like if they're in all caps or italicized, really big, really small. If someone's looking at this on their phone, can they read it really well? Things like that. Um, I do have also uh, some really cool websites I'll send you later so you can link, but there are um, some different font pairing sites that give you pairings and help you really easily download like a uh, Google fonts download. It's super cool. So there's a few websites that can help you with that too. Great. Perfect. We'll link that in the show notes. And I liked what you said about the readability, just coming from the teacher perspective as, as someone who shops on Teachers Pay Teachers a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when I download a longer chunk of text, a reading comprehension passage or something like that, and then the font is too fancy or mm-hmm. kind of, um, I don't Cluttered know. Cluttered almost sometimes. Yes, yes. And yeah. so that serif font really is more readable for the kids. As as much as we can sometimes feel like it's a little bit boring, I think it's really purposeful. So that's great. Yeah. And the super family, I wrote that down. I want to, I think that I, I think I chose a font for my brand that has lots of options as far as that goes, but that's good mm-hmm. to know for the future as well. What about colors and choosing our brand colors? And then once we do choose our brand colors and decide on that, do we have to use them in everything? <laughs> um, so for your colors, your colors do have feelings. Of, like the colors that you're choosing can matter. Um, I'm sure folks are familiar with the different color psychologies. Or there's, um, you know, red can kind of 
indicate like really youthful or really passionate or sometimes aggressive um, depending on its use, whereas blue is often used for like knowledge and, and thoughtfulness and things like that. So you can look at that to help guide your colors. Um, what I recommend too is to kind of look what a lot of people in your space is doing and then try to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not completely different. Like you don't want it to look like you're totally not in the space, but you know, you can shake it up a little bit and stand out that way. Um, looking at teachers pay teachers specifically, I think there's a lot of rainbow used and a lot of, um, things that like with the thick black strokes on it, that sometimes makes it hard to read. I really think that what's the most important is making something. I really gravitate towards a minimalist design personally. So I think cleaner, more white open space, um, choose your colors purposefully, you know, let them stand out for a reason. Um, use those pops of color to highlight the why of this product or, um, yeah, have a few colors that you do splash in there for your brand, but you can venture off with some like compatible colors. You know, I I don't think you have to stick to only that, but it does create a really strong aesthetic. If someone looks at your Instagram and it's all kind of, you know, Auburn or like Auburn's rust tans, like that, like color aesthetic, it's, it does have an effect on people. So you know, I think stick to your brand colors and then have a few kind of accent colors you throw in there throughout. So you don't have to be so rigid with it, but it should kind of, they should complement each other. Yeah. And I think what's really important is to make sure you document what they are and have that hex code number handy so that you're not just kind of guessing when you're designing. Um, Know exactly the blue you're using all the time, you know, like be consistent with that. Right. And in Canva, they have that nice feature if you have Pro where you can pop in your hex codes and your fonts and yes. it's all there for you, which is nice. Yeah. I am really proud of myself because when I very first started putting Teacher Hustle University together, I did some videos because there were a lot of people joining the membership who were just starting out on Teachers Pay Teachers and I wanted mm-hmm. to help them get started. But I, like I admitted in the beginning, really stink at the design, but I actually did I remember as you're saying this, I did talk about readable fonts and I did mention white space and the importance of white space. So I am really (laughs) proud of myself right now. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I want to know, as we are thinking about Instagram, so we've been talking a little bit about Teachers Pay Teachers, but as we're shifting to talk about our feeds, Mm -hmm. should we be thinking about kind of the the layout of our feed? How How strict should we be with that? What are some things to watch out for when we're putting together the the overall look of our feed? Should we be using filters, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for your feed, what I have found the most valuable is to spend some time batch designing graphics, um, having a set of templates that you've created. Even they might be simple through Canva, but really set aside, set aside time to create graphics and then... I would say pepper them throughout your other images. Like maybe you have some really designed pieces, but then also just like pictures, you know, so have a good balance of that and have some good, some photos with a lot of white space in it, have some text photos, pictures with your face. Those are really like pictures of your face perform really well. Um, Like anybody's face, just of people in general. Um, People like to see faces and, you know, quote graphics are really um, great tube. So I think I've kind of a balance of all those. Um, but I really do think having templates with your consistent brain colors is probably the most, 
the fastest way you can kind of stand out as a cohesive brand. Um, and also just like having valuable information um, in those kind of templated graphics. Sure. Um, and then, I don't know, one thing that's really important too is just consider the hierarchy of your, like when you're looking at a graphic, what do you see first? What do you see second? Like make sure what you're, that's, that's called hierarchy. So make sure that what you're seeing is first is what you want people to see. Um, so I think that's another thing to consider when you're designing for Instagram or Pinterest. Um, Pinterest, there's a few other ideas too, but for Instagram specifically, um, I do think that the aesthetic is a valuable part of Instagram. I think when someone hops onto your page, they kind of glance at it and see, okay, they look like they're posting consistently. They have a vibe going on. Like whether or not all those pictures and graphics are perfect is, you know, besides the point, but some sort of like consistency there is really key. Can you explain the hierarchy again? Like give me an example of what that might look like. Um, So you can differentiate through like different fonts or having all caps or bold font. Like you can do your hierarchy based on the font choice or by your color it's basically, if you look at a graphic, what's the very first thing you see? Is the very first thing you see just your URL link? Like, do you have your URL in like a bold font? And then you have your like text in a thinner font that it's like kind of washed out. So, you know, people aren't seeing the the main message. They're seeing other things first. So you really want to kind of think through when you're designing something, what's the biggest priority of this post or in the graphic that you're posting? And then What's the next thing I want them to see? And then the final thing. So kind of like the user experience of that specific image, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. I had never considered that before. I'd used templates and I noticed that some things were smaller or not bold, and but I never really knew quite why it was that yeah. way. So that's good to know. Awesome. I want to know, I didn't have this on our questions that we talked about before, so I might be surprising you with this, but I'm wondering, do you have any pet peeves in graphic design when you notice something <laughs> that, is there something that really bugs you? Hmm. I, there are certain fonts I don't like. I mean, the the joke is the Comic Sans and the Papyrus fonts. Yeah. fan of those. Um, I think, oh, I don't know. If there's a lot of... I'm totally a fan of stock photos, but I think there's some that are really overused. And so I think, you know, be wise with your choice on that. Um, I think, I guess I do have a pet peeve if like an image looks really fuzzy or just like Mm -hmm. not really, almost like they took a picture of it almost, not like the actual graphic. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's sometimes I think just the quality of the, the, the final product is important, but, um, Oh, I'm sure there's other things I'm thinking of because I, I do kind of. I just always wonder. If other I will always wonder if I'm making some sort of like obvious. Big faux pas or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if I am or not, but I, know I, I just wrote Comic Sans and Papyrus and put a line through them. So I will not use those. There are some really funny memes about that. <laughs> and there's like this SNL skit about Papyrus. Um, oh, my really God. Funny. Great. But um, yes, that's probably. Those are the things that come to mind. I did have one other thing I wanted to mention about designing um, graphics for TPT or Pinterest or whatnot. I think it's really valuable. I don't know if folks do this, but to create multiple, not so much on your Instagram feed, but for TPT and Pinterest, to create multiple graphics for that product and kind of test out which one seems to work best. Yeah. Um, That's really valuable too. Especially on Pinterest. Yes. 
and really watch that to see what is performing. Yeah, kind of give yourself like a two-week window to see how it's performing. We also know, uh, the TPT sellers know that your cover photo, because of the way that Marketplace works, because the cover photo is one of the three things people are looking at when they're choosing to look at a listing or not look at it, the cover photo is so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any tips for types of cover photos people could design that would make their listing pop out a bit? Um. I do think I was kind of scanning through again and I do think using more white space and color, but in a bold purposeful way that is consistent. Like I was looking at a few stores that just are rocking it and you can tell that they have like 10 to 12 templates that they use and there's consistency in the elements that they use. Like there's the same kind of boldness in their colors, but it's all, it's a rainbow. Like there's different colors they're using, but boldness in their colors, but then they use kind of like jagged lines or they use specific fonts, right? There's just, you can tell that they sat down and created a set of templates that um, they use consistently, but also there's, I think using a lot of white space, there's a ton of really cluttered posts on TPT, I think, Um, in Etsy, shoot, any of those sites that are, you know, you're trying to focus on thumbnails as like your selling point. Um, You're trying to get as much information as possible on there, but I think what you it's valuable to have more white space and then really try to capture the why of that product in like three to four words and make that stand out. Um, Cause if they're just scanning through, I think either having like a photo with a lot of white space that you can do like an overlay of text or since it's a lot of digital products, like a nice um, representation of that product in some sort of like digital format with a few words that really describe it well, but not over clutter it. And I, yeah, I have some other thoughts on like, the really decorative borders, I think it can be distracting. Um, but, you know, I think just test it out and see, kind of try some different styles and see if one kind of does better for you. Yeah, there's so many great tips that you said there. I took a lot of notes, but I think one of the most important things is that you said they use different templates for the covers. I think sometimes we think if we make every single cover in our store look the same, that that'll be the way to look cohesive, but then everything blends together. Mm-hmm. hard to tell product from product. I also love that you said capture the why in a couple of words and and put that as your overlay. The The words on your cover page don't need to match the title of your product necessarily. They just need mm-hmm. to give a little preview of what's inside without being too cluttered. Yeah. Great advice. All right. I'm going to shift a little bit in my questions because I wanted to also mention to the listeners that something else you're doing uh, is teaching for out school. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know they would love to hear about that as a possible income stream. Yes. So out school, if people aren't familiar, is an online platform for three to 18 year olds. And it, I think before COVID, was a lot more of the homeschool um, community who used it. I had been talking to a friend or a, uh, a mom of one of my daughter's friends about um, that I wanted to teach online. And this was before COVID. She was like, oh, you need to check out OutSchool. It's a really fun platform. My kids take photography classes on it. And um, so I had it in the back of my mind. And then once all this started, I signed up my daughter for it. And she she's four and she loves the classes. She looks forward to them every – we do quite a few of them. I uh, practice what I preach on the out school (laughs) platform, but, um, you know, she does dance and she's been doing uh, Spanish and piano and she's doing a reading class this week. Um, but 
it has been great for me. So I have been kind of joking with my friends that it's all of the like best parts of teaching because you pick your own schedule, you pick your own price within reason. Like there's kind of a breaking point of what's too much, but you pick your own price, you pick your own curriculum, you pick your own schedule, you pick your own like age group. Like you really get to pick everything and then you don't have to deal with all of the red tape of teaching. Um, and which is awesome. They, there is, so the process is you apply, you send in a video and it's changed a little bit since I applied, but now I believe it's like a three to five minute video and you kind of show them your teaching style and where you would teach and the types of classes you would teach. And then if you're approved, you then create a course. So you set up your course and you submit that for approval. So you have to get your classes approved. You have to explain what you would teach, how you would teach it, how it'd be interactive, kind of the, your teaching ethos. And, um, and then when it's approved, you just set up your classes whenever you want. And there are kids from all over the world. So if you wanted to teach at four in the morning, you could. If you wanted to teach at, you know, 9 p.m., you could. Um, you can really schedule it however you want. And um, there are, so there are synchronous and asynchronous courses. You can sign up to teach flex classes, which, or you can submit flex classes, which are classes that don't meet live. They're all um, just through, you know, communication. But you do have to teach a live course, at least one live course, before you can apply for flex classes. And I, I think the the rules for flex have gotten a little bit more um, elaborate. Like they're wanting to really make sure it's an engaging, interactive experience for students. So there is a little bit more to getting those approved. But once you get them approved, it's really awesome because once you build out that first course, then you can just set it up every time, and then you're just you know sending in your information and corresponding with the kids and. Um, and it can add up to a lot of money because um, wow, what you do, cool. you, uh, so uh, on that note, just one tip, cause I didn't know this when I first did it, you do have to complete one class, like I said, and if your one class is a three week course. So like my first course I did on out school was a three week Photoshop course. I had to complete that full three week course before I could apply for flex. I thought I just had to complete one live session. So uh, I had to wait three weeks to apply, which was kind of a bummer. So if you are going to do this, I would recommend you set up at least one, like one session course and complete that. And then you can work on your flex classes. Got it. You would want the flex classes because is it then unlimited the amount of money you can make? I mean, it's, it's just unlimited because it's not restricted to your live time. Like the time, like for me, for example, I have really just nap time that I do my classes. My littlest sleeps, my oldest one does stuff on the iPad. And I teach two classes a day mostly. That's kind of my capacity. And that's just, I'm limited based on my schedule, how much I can teach, right? But my flex classes, I have two flex classes running with 10 kids in them. And that can happen at any time. So I can like send them correspondence late in the evening when I have time. You know, it's not restricted to my schedule. That's great. And do they limit the number of kids that can take your class? So for the live, yes. So for the live courses, it kind of depends on your age group. So if you're doing the younger kiddos, I think they try to keep it, they encourage you to keep it to around six. And then um, as they get older, you can, I think the biggest I've seen is like 12 kids for like the older students. Um, a lot of times the older kids will turn off their cameras and that's okay by out school. You just want to make sure at the very first session that you um, make sure you verify it's them. So you want to see their face, say hi to them. Right. Um, I do encourage them to keep their camera on just because it's more engaging that way. Um, but some kids, 
I mean, some kids are on out school from the beginning just because that's their mode of learning. Like they don't necessarily want to, you know, be really social and talk. So, you know, it's kind of, you're dealing with different learning styles and stuff like that. So I don't really press the issue. I just, they can chat or they can chime in when they need to give me a thumbs up digitally, things like that. Um, but yeah, so just to give you all an idea of pricing. So I don't have everything broken down, but like I have one Photoshop course that I teach. It's like a Star Wars Lego class that I teach them how to make the lightsaber glow. Cool. And um, I, that one's been consistently filling up and it fills up with 10 kids. It's a 40 minute class and I've, you know, already established this curriculum. So I didn't say this out school takes 30% of your cut or like that's their cut. So for that class, I charge $20 a kid. That's 10 kids is $200 for 40 minutes. And then I get $140 um, dropped into my PayPal account for that one class. And that's really great. Um, And then, you know, overall, um, I have other courses that are like my three-week class is 55 per kid. And so I capped that at like nine kids. Um, So you can really charge what you want. But I'll say that it it can be really beneficial if you kind of find your audience and find your niche. And um, maybe it's not like bringing in thousands of dollars. Maybe it's bringing in 50 or 100 bucks. Like that's awesome too, especially if it's stuff that you're already doing in the classroom that you just want to kind of – or it cannot. It can be fun stuff like – one person's teaching about animal farts and that class is huge. <laughs> like they make so much money. Um, and it's fun, you know, it's fun and the kids and they do learn about science and stuff. Um, what a great way to add to your income streams. If you're building yes. an online business already and you're already creating resources for teachers, pay teachers. So you already have a starting point for your curriculum, for your class. You could add this to your income stream as a way to interact with kids as well, which is awesome. And I think it's only going to get more popular this year with the yes. circumstances we are under. Um, yes. Yeah, that sounds like such a fun way to make more money. And I'm also wondering if you did some of your own marketing, if your classes weren't filling, you could mm-hmm. you could work on your own marketing and, and let parents know about your particular class, but you didn't have yes. any marketing to fill your classes. They just just based on listing filled. Yeah. So I really haven't done a whole lot of marketing for my courses. Um, and they've been filling, I think it's partially because there's not a lot of people teaching Photoshop in on the platform just yet. Um, but also do, there are some things I recommend. I mean, I think, you know, it's all the basics of like, it's obvious things, but I think how you list your, um, how you describe your course, like you can do some things to visually break up the um, listing better. Like there aren't some, there aren't like formatting way. You can't like bold and italicize and things in their platform, but you can like add emojis or add um, line breaks with your lines or like capitalize things. Like you can do things to kind of visually break up your description. You can have a good photo. So you do post a photo with your course and um, you're not really supposed to put any text in it. I've seen more people do that. So maybe that's changed, but supposed to be just like a you know a photo and so I usually try to pick a really vivid one that I think will kind of stand out in the stream and then also you can include a video and I don't think a lot of people include a video but I really recommend it because I think it gives students a vibe for who you are and it gets them excited to learn from you so I definitely recommend doing a video um and you you know there's a little bit of SEO it's kind of a new platform but you like 
make sure you're putting the right words in your title in your little like header description mm-hmm. um, to make sure when people are searching, like I know I read something on a Facebook group that they, they had a really cool class, and, but they just were putting the title of the book in their subject and not like reading camp for kids or whatever it was. Like make sure it's something that someone would search for. If this is sounding an awful lot like what I how I teach people to maximize their TPT listings, it's all the same principle, mm-hmm. TPT, Etsy, OutSchool. You've got to use what you can inside that marketplace to really make your listing rank so that you're optimizing that platform and yes. not having to do a whole ton of marketing, you know, before you jump into a whole ton of marketing on your own, really maximizing your space there. The platform well, yeah. yeah. I do post, I do post about it on my own, on my account occasionally in my personal account, just because I obviously am in a life stage where I have a lot of friends with young kids or kids right. in general. So it's my own network. But since my, to be honest, I kind of go back and forth on it, but since my Instagram, like my outward facing marketing is not necessarily targeting parents or kids. Like I never, I, that's not really my talking point, you know? It's kind of like more of a, it's more of showing my value. Like I teach and I do this and I know this and I know design because I teach these kids all the time. I can also empower you as a teacher to do that too. So that's kind of more of the the route. That's why I don't market it as much, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really fun. I mean, to be honest, it's been a huge part of my life for the past few months and we've, I've, I've rivaled my, I have rivaled my school monthly salary. Wow. This summer. So it's, Amazing. it's, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like in the coming year. And August is not showing, like, I don't have nearly as many bookings in August because I think a lot of people are still figuring things out. Um, but there's a ton of opportunity there for sure. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing your experience with that platform. I think it sounds like it's definitely up and coming, especially given the times, and it would be a great time to jump in. And I know since all of us love working with kids, it's a nice chance to get to know some kids and really work on a topic that you love to teach on. I I love that idea. Well, thank you for sharing all of your graphic design knowledge and your out school tips. Can you let the listeners know? I know you're just sort of... um, you're just sort of building this business, right? Is this piece Mm -hmm. of your business, but where can they connect with you now as you begin to grow this piece where you're talking about design? So I am on Instagram at Stacey E. Aguilar and I also have a small Facebook group that's small right now. It's growing, but it's um, going to be more and more where you can get some free tips and resources on design. Um, Up until now, I've been doing more client work. So one-on-one with clients. And so that I am kind of building out this more, for, you know, outward facing coaching. So you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook there. Um, My website is stacyeaguilar.com as well. And I have like a freebie branding template download you can grab to really just kind of help think through your brand a little bit and aggregate everything in one spot, more of like a quick grab so that when you are designing, you know exactly your aesthetic that you're going for, your color hex codes, all that stuff um, there for you. Uh, But yeah, that's where y'all can find me. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a creative educator who is wanting to start their business online. Maybe you have started your business, but you can't gain any traction because as soon as you take one step forward, there are a million more things you're supposed to be doing like blogging or podcasting, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Maybe you've heard all the marketing podcasts, but there's so much conflicting information. You just want the roadmap to success. I know sometimes it feels like the big name marketing experts don't understand our lives as teachers. You might be worried you're going to spend all your time and money on creating your online business, or maybe you already have spent tons of time and money and no one is going to show up to buy the thing you have to offer. And you're worried about how you're going to stand out among the rest. If you don't want a degree in marketing, but you want to inspire other teachers and you want to stand out among the rest and create a voice and share your thoughts and ideas and bring in some money, but it all feels a little overwhelming. I have good news for you. You are exactly where you need to be. You have everything you need to share your passion and to make some serious cash in the process. I want to introduce my signature training for creative teachers like you, Teacher Hustle University, and you can get your hands on my step-by-step guide to designing an online business with a strategic, purposeful marketing plan. The Teacher Hustle University framework is your chance to build that solid foundation in marketing for your online business, to make a difference in classrooms around the world, to generate a steady monthly income, and to put it all on autopilot so you can enjoy life's moments. I teach you all of the pieces of the framework for Teacher Hustle University inside my free masterclass, which you can find at alyssamcdonald.com slash masterclass. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Hustle podcast. I love hearing from you. So if you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. You can also join our Facebook group, Teacher Hustle Podcast, to chat about all things business, mindset, and marketing. I also love to chat in the Instagram DMs, so send me a DM or tag me in your post. My name is Teacher by Naptime over there. I'll see you in the next episode.